on today's episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. You know, these crazy psychopaths that want us to eat cricket flour pancakes and, and you know, eat nothing but processed, ultra-processed vegan foods, fake meat. I mean, come on, really? I think that most people need some form of nutrient therapy, maybe not to the level and the intense cases that I work with, but, you know, remember, we're not getting enough from our food these days. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Courtney Swan, and you're listening to The Real Foodology Podcast. In today's episode, we are diving into all things OCD. I thought that this would be a really interesting episode to dive into because shockingly enough, sometimes OCD can be linked to nutrient deficiencies and or a methylation issue. So I brought Samantha Gilbert back on. You guys may recognize her from our episode that we did about copper overload and the copper IUD. If you have not listened to that yet, I highly recommend going back and listening to that. But I brought her back on today to talk about all things OCD. We talked about the signs and symptoms. We also talked about what's going on when someone is dealing with OCD or OCD-like symptoms, how methylation and under-methylating contributes to this. We also talked about nutritional deficiencies, what lab work to ask your doctors about, how to improve OCD symptoms, and so much more. So with that, let's just get into the episode. Friends, if you are loving the podcast and if you would take a moment to rate and review it, it would mean so much to me. It really, really does help this podcast and it takes about two seconds of your time to leaving a rating and review and it means so much. So I really appreciate your support with that. I hope that you guys love the episode as always. One of my goals this year is to get more protein in. There's been a lot of conversation around longevity and the importance of having good lean muscle on your body, especially as we age because our muscle deteriorates, especially if we are not actively working on making sure that we maintain that muscle mass. And maintaining muscle mass is more than just working out. Yes, you need to work out in order to maintain your muscle mass, but also protein is a key component here. And making sure that you get enough protein every day is going to help make sure that you keep on that good, healthy, lean muscle. So this is how I am getting more protein in every single day. I am prioritizing good, healthy, clean animal protein sources. So like eggs, organic grass-fed pasture-raised meats, chicken, ground beef. And I'm also drinking amino acids and a protein shake every single day from the brand Keon. Keon's protein is made from whey isolate. It's also from grass-fed and pasture-raised cows, which is really important. There's nothing artificial in there. There's no artificial sweeteners. If you guys want to try Keon, go to getkeon.com slash realfoodology. That's G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com slash realfoodology. And you're going to save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% on one-time purchases. I recently got some lab work done and I found out that I'm dealing with some gut issues right now. I have a little bit of dysbiosis, which is a imbalance of the good and bad bacteria in my gut. I also have low HCL, hydrochloric acid, which is what helps your body digest and break down your food and also assimilate the nutrients from your food so that you can get everything out of your food. Also, my magnesium is a little bit low. So I'm going to talk a little bit about a couple things that I'm going to be taking to improve my overall health and to restore my gut. It is important to note that I will also be taking a root cause approach here and I'm going to be working with my doctor to figure out why exactly this is happening. But in the meantime, I'm going to address these directly with some supplements from Bioptimizers. First and foremost, I am taking Bioptimizers P3OM. This is their proteolytic probiotics. And it's going to help build back that good gut bacteria in my gut so that I can rebalance whatever's happening down there right now. I'm also taking their masszymes with every single meal. These are their digestive enzymes, which just help your, they just assist your body in digesting your food a little bit better, especially if you're having some sort of issues with digestion. 
even if you're not having issues with digestion, digestive enzymes really do just help with overall digestion. I'm also taking their HCL breakthrough, which is helping to build back my natural HCL because I mentioned earlier that I'm really low in it right now. So I'm taking that with every meal to hopefully build that back up. And then last but not least, I'm taking their magnesium breakthrough, which I've talked about a lot on here. It has seven forms of magnesium and there is no other product on the market that offers such a full spectrum coverage of all seven different forms of magnesium. As always with Bioptimizer's products, they are vegan, gluten-free, they're soy-free. They're also free of any fillers or other junk that's not needed in there. It's just a really great, clean product. If you guys want to try any of the products today that I mentioned from Bioptimizers, make sure that you go to bioptimizers.com and use code realfoodology and you're going to save 10%. That's B-I-O-P-T-I M-I-Z-E-R-S.com. It's also important to note that they have a digestive health stack. So you can get the proteolytic probiotics, the HCL breakthrough, and their mass enzymes in a bundle. So you'll save a little bit of money if you want to buy all of them together. Make sure you use code RealFoodology and you are going to save 10%. Samantha, I'm so excited to have you back on the podcast today to talk all about OCD. Woohoo! OCD. Yes, I'm very excited. Thank you for having me, Courtney. Yeah. Well, I loved the last episode that we did together and we had talked a little bit about this and I was like, you know what? I want to just do a whole episode on this because I feel like a lot of people, a lot more people struggle with this than we realize, I think, even on just like a small um, little level. Like obviously there's like full-blown OCD that people really struggle with, but I think um, a lot of people have like little tendencies and I want to talk about really what the driving factors of that is. So what are some of the main reasons why someone might be struggling with OCD? Yeah, great question. Um, there are several reasons. The main one that I see in my clinic is something called, you know, methylation imbalance, uh, under or over methylation, usually uh, under methylation. Um, that's a key driver. Also gut infections and microbial mm-hmm. overgrowth and things like that, yeast, certain types of bacteria, um, can also create a lot of OCD-like symptoms. And then um, heavy metals. We talked a lot about copper, the copper IUD last time, and how when dopamine is lowered and norepinephrine is increased, which is what happens when there's too much copper in the body, we can call that a toxicity or an overload. I prefer to use overload. It's a little softer. I think it doesn't upset people as much. Um, that can also create OCD-like symptoms. Um, and then things like zinc deficiency, which I see often in my practice, and a condition called pyrrole disorder, which is, I think we talked about this last time, um, it's a deficiency, a double deficiency rather, of zinc and vitamin B6. And, um, you know, those are important nutrients for the brain to function optimally, for neurotransmitter activity uh, to function optimally. And so OCD can be uh, a cause of that as well. So lots of underlying causes. It just depends on the individual. And of course, you know, testing is really important to figure that out as well. Yeah. Wow. And that's so interesting that you said a deficiency of zinc. And then there's also that link of too much copper. And we know that copper and zinc work together synergistically in the body. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's a, a thing happening there as well, right? As copper goes up, the zinc goes down. And so then it's leading to a deficiency of zinc. Wow. That's really fascinating. Well, one thing I'll say about that, Courtney, is, and, and you know, I, I think we talked about this last time as well. And it was, you know, it was such an important conversation 
is that copper may be high, but zinc might be normal. It doesn't necessarily mean that zinc is low. So I say this because a, a little bit of a disclaimer, I don't want your listeners to run out and start taking zinc because yes. that can create um, a detox response that is not so um, pleasant, uh, shall I say. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so there are a lot of variations. Um, copper can be normal. It can be actually low. Zinc can be low along with copper. Uh, we need to also look at a, pro, a copper binding protein called ceruloplasmin, and that also plays a, a role in how copper is bound, whether it's bound or unbound, um, and and how that impacts the body as well. So a lot going on there, but but yes, there's there's a wide variety of variation, and all of those can create. OCD-like symptoms. I want to say OCD-like symptoms because true OCD is really um, from something called undermethylation, which uh, I'm, I'm happy to, to get into that a little bit more as well. Yeah, I really want to talk about that. Um, before we go into that, I want to ask you what exactly is happening when someone's either experiencing OCD or OCD-like symptoms? What are maybe signs and symptoms to look for, either if you're a parent of someone where you feel like the kids might be suffering from that, or if you're feeling like you might be suffering from that yourself? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, repetitive behaviors are kind of a hallmark of OCD. I'm going to use myself as an example because when I was really struggling and, and, you know, I, I did for most of my life struggle with, with OCD, depression, anxiety. Um, I was suicidal at various mm -hmm. times. Um, but the repetition of and the obsession with body image was something that I was very much focused on. So when we're talking about traditional um, OCD as a result of undermethylation, which we'll get into, there are usually one or two things that an individual will focus on, and those repetitive behaviors and obsessions with those behaviors are, are hallmarks of that. So mm -hmm. I, I, I mentioned the body image. Um, you know, of course, I was very obsessed with, uh, you know, all the different types of foods I was eating. I was always on some kind of diet. But there are other categories or, or, or factors that fall under OCD that I think people are not aware of that I, I think would be helpful. So eating disorders um, mm -hmm. are, are under the umbrella of OCD. In fact, undermethylation and zinc deficiency are hallmarks of anorexia, something I see in my practice for uh, or have for, for many years now. Um, addictions, you know, and that's because dopamine is lowered. We'll, we'll get into that as well. Um, you know, constant checking, uh, 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 arranging, counting, um, uh, repeatedly cleaning items that have already been cleaned. Uh, I was a part of an outreach clinic uh, with, with two of my mentors several years ago. And we had a patient that would come to the clinic and her entire sleeve would be soaking wet because she always had to be washing her hands several times a day, mm -hmm. um, afraid that they were clean, excuse me, dirty, even just a few seconds after washing. Um, intrusive thoughts are also another hallmark of OCD. Um, in fact, I work and have worked with several young ladies that have struggled with the fear that they might harm their babies uh, shortly mm -hmm. after giving birth. And that, that can actually happen for, for several years after. Um, and they're always under methylated. Um, so, and there are a lot of things that we can do to correct that 
with without medications. So that's another thing I want to encourage your listeners to know. Um, high inner tension. So anxiety and OCD always go together. Um, sometimes that's difficult to discern. I hear often, well, I don't, I'm not even sure if I'm anxious. I just know that I'm thinking about this all the time. I'm ruminating. I'm in my brain a lot. Um, I certainly was in my brain a lot, uh, when, you know, when I was kind of at the height of my, um, uh, my OCD and, and, and my challenges with, you know, again, depression and anxiety. Um, but, but that, those always go together. Depression is sometimes there, not always. But it's, it's often a part of that process. Um, uh, uh, fear of contamination, you know, kind of going back to the cleanliness. Um, persistent sexual thoughts are also a hallmark of OCD mm-hmm. or can be, not in everyone. Um, but there's, there's generally a lot of inner tension, but we come off, and I say we because, you know, I am undermethylated. Um, we have a calm exterior. We're often very good at hiding things. Uh, um, you know, projecting that we're okay, but inside just very, very tense, very worried, very concerned about how we might come off. Um, and again, the rumination tends to be very intense. Um, so I, I hope that's helpful. Um, I, yeah. I, I think that understanding what it feels like in someone's body if you don't struggle with OCD is really important, especially if you're, you have a loved one or, or a friend that's, that's struggling. Yeah, no, that was really helpful. This is really fascinating. So you keep bringing up undermethylation. So let's talk about that. How does this impact um, OCD and just someone's overall mental health and what does it mean? Yeah, so um, I think the best way to answer that is kind of to talk about what methylation is. Um, it's a chemical process that regulates every cell and tissue in the body except for red blood cells. Um, it regulates many substances that are necessary for the body to function. So those substances include hormones, neurotransmitters, and enzymes. Um, you know, enzymes, we wouldn't be upright if we didn't have enzymes in the body to perform a variety of functions for us. So these, these things, these methyl groups that I mentioned, um, that, that regulate the, the methylation cycle, they, you know, they're like on off switches. So, so like a light switch. Um, and a methyl group is made up of one carbon atom bonded with three hydrogen atoms. And what's fascinating about methylation, and I, I'm, I'm still constantly fascinated and always learning, of course, is that they have the ability to drastically alter how we think, feel, and act. So yeah, thinking, behavior, and then that impulse, right, to act out. OCD is a lot about impulse. Okay, I have to have this, so I'm going to do whatever I can to get that. Um, and, and then, the, you, you know, that ties into that internal feeling, right, that internal tension. Um, I like to think of neurotransmitters as highway centers in the brain used to transmit messages between nerve cells. So we know what serotonin is. It's that happy uh, chemical. It gives us a sense of well-being. Um, it's also connected to the bowel, of course. You know, the, the, the gut is often called the second brain because we make a lot of serotonin in our GI tract. Um, but it also is connected to things like like sleep, um, digestion, again, 
um, uh, memory. It also plays a role in sexual function. I kind of, you know, touched on, you know, sexual thoughts and, and obsessions uh, uh, a moment ago. Um, and then there's dopamine, and that's kind of our pleasure and our satisfaction as part of our brain's reward system. Um, and this is why those of us that are undermethylated really struggle with addiction, because again, we're not making those methyl groups needed to activate essentially dopamine, serotonin, and then I'll get into norepinephrine, but I want to say a few things about dopamine. Also is critical for movement and the motor system. So think about Parkinson's disease, because we do see undermethylation in Parkinson's disease. Um, and it's also a chemical for attention, learning, emotional expression, um, which is why ADHD is another hallmark of undermethylation. So you have that hyperactivity component, um, but you, you also have challenges with, again, paying attention, uh, learning, short-term memory challenges or something that I often see in my practice. Um, and just in general, ability to remember and to move forward, the ability to keep a list and to be able to stick with it. Um, you know, I, I have uh, some tips and, and special things I do with my ADHD clients because they have a hard time remembering to take their nutrients. So we have to set up systems to help them remember uh, and, and to support them in that process. And then I, I want to talk about norepinephrine as well, because um, most people are not aware of what that is. It's, it's also called noradrenaline, and that is a chemical that is released by the adrenal glands. It is also another regulator of attention and impulsivity. So there's that ADHD again, right? Um, and, and again, also OCD. Um, it's also part of the body's fight and flight response, and it has a direct impact on, on heart rate and, and blood pressure. Um, and all of these things are hallmarks of OCD, right? Uh, there's a physiologic response that we feel when, you know, we start getting really anxious and we go, okay, okay, I, I, I got to go and do this. You know, for me, it was, I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to get a bunch of food and I'm going to go on a binge. But then afterward, I had this process of, you know, green juice for uh, several days, sometimes weeks in a row. And then I would do this exercise thing. So I had a system. And, you know, as I shared, it's usually one or two things that we focus on. Overmethylation is another creature. We can get into that if you, if you'd like. Like. But most people are undermethylated that have a methylation imbalance. Uh, so we have a few overmethylators, but the majority are deficient in these methyl groups that, that I shared. Okay, this is absolutely fascinating because this is something that I have been working on in my own life. Um, and hopefully this resonates for other people. But I recently found out that my, um, well, across the board, like my B vitamins were pretty low. And also I have the MTHFR gene, which I knew. Um, and I'm curious to know what that role plays in all of this as well, because we know that if you uh, have the MTFHR gene and you're not taking a methylated B, your body's not actually going to be able to even uh, take that B vitamin. It needs to be methylated before you take it. So I'm wondering, is there a connection there between that and OCD as well, if you're not taking a methylated B? Yeah, Um if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about this a little bit more because I think there's a lot of confusion about um, the MTHFR enzyme and its its action and its process as a part of the methylation cycle as a whole. I'll just uh, let people know that they can look at the doctor's data 
methylation profile test. You can go online, do a Google search, look at a sample, and when you scroll down, you will see that there's actually a diagram of the methylation cycle. And I also have this on my website. Um, but the thing to understand about MTHFR is that it's only maybe 30% expressive at best, which tells us that we've got 70%, you know, this other area. And that's concerning for me because it's only part of a backup pathway. It's not even part of the main pathway of methylation. So it, we really need to be careful about supplementing with any form of a folic acid um, or folate or folinic acid, because guess what happens? We've got the um, uh, we've got our DNA, which is inside the cell, the nucleus of the cell, and then outside the cell, we have the cytoplasm. Well, yes, folate uh, supplements, uh, methylated folate, etc. They do donate some methyl outside the nucleus of the cell, but guess what? Inside the nucleus, they strip ten times more than they donate, and that's problematic, right? Because that's where all of our instructions are made. And do we want to be taking supplements that are going to be stripping away what we already don't make enough of? So I think there's a lot of confusion about methylated nutrients. Some of them are really important, like methyl B12. Um, but when we're talking about folic acid supplements, again, folate, high folate foods, this is why vegan diets are, are contraindicated for those of us that are under-methylated. Over time, they are going to strip that, you know, again, that methyl, um, uh, and that's not something that we want. So there's a duality is what I'm saying to all these nutrients, uh, whether you're taking them supplementally or you are, um, uh, you know, again, uh, taking a lot of or eating a lot of high folate foods as in a, a vegan diet. So I, I think that's important. I'm not saying that MTHFR doesn't have um, some validity in other areas, but when we're dealing with mental health, and we know that someone is, you know, again, under-methylated. We have to be very careful with folic acid and folate-based supplements. So I hope, that, I hope that makes sense kind of breaking it down that way. Yeah. So how would we know whether or not that's going to affect us individually? Is this something that you just figure out? Testing is how we determine methylation status. Mm -hmm. um, but here's the thing about methylfolate specifically. Um, what we see, and we've noticed this as a trend, you know, again, for many, many years now, what we see is that undermethylators that take methylfolate as a supplemental therapy, generally after about three months, things start to bottom out. And that's that backup pathway that starts to get depleted. Mm. Um, and again, MTHFR lives in that, that backup pathway. Um, and what's, what's happening is, you know, as I shared in the nucleus of the cell over time, you might get that initial bump and, and, and feel better and think, oh, wow, this is amazing. But over time, that depletion of methyl is, is what's uh, causing you to bottom out. Uh, we've seen several people respond, um, uh, have horrific responses over time uh, to methylfolate supplements. So, so, so that's where mm. I think we just need to be mindful and be careful, and you know, always get proper testing. MTHFR has no way of telling us someone's methylation status. There's a tug of war between the SNPs. 
um, uh, you know, the, the mutations. And, you know, we might have 10 over here for under, we might be, have 12 over here. Um, but we can't determine that with a genetic test. Those tests have not proven to be, um, you know, they're not sophisticated enough to, to tell us that information. So that's why we always want to look at other testing. You know, I mentioned the methylation profile test from doctor's data. That's one that I use quite a bit um, to really see uh, how someone is methylating, what's happening in each uh, area of, of, of the methylation cycle. Okay, that's really interesting. I'm now curious to, I want to check my supplement after this episode to see if mine has the, has folate. I think it does. It probably does. Uh, most B complexes, just, I'll just say, I think there's maybe uh, one that I can think of that doesn't, but it has other things in it um, that, that actually uh, can deplete dopamine. But um, mm. all of them are going to have, um, uh, you know, whether it's folinic acid, folic acid, methylated folate, I mean, you know, the different forms, um, all B complexes have that in there. And that's why I never do multivitamins or, you know, complexes, because there's always going to be something in there that might be problematic, uh, you know, down the line. Now, now I do want to say one thing. Now, if homocysteine is elevated in an undermethylated individual, that must be addressed first before mm. you can dive into uh, you know, treating under methylation and using what we call methyl donors, certain nutrients that are methyl donors to help bring um, more methyl into the system. But that has to be treated first. And guess what the best way to treat that is? It's going to be, uh, you know, folate, uh, folinic mm. acid. I like folinic acid. It's a little bit more metabolically active. But whatever form you use, you have to treat that first bring that down, and then you can start addressing the methylation. So I'm kind of giving you a lot of information here, but I want people to know that there are instances where we need to utilize a small amount of, of B9, whatever form is appropriate for the patient, for a certain determined period of time so mm -hmm. that we can bring that homocysteine down. There are other ways to bring it down um, or helpful, but none of them work as fast or as well as, you know, just straight folinic acid, um, B12, uh, vitamin B6. These are all important as well, but you're going to be spending a long, long time trying to lower homocysteine by just taking B12 uh, alone. Okay. Yeah. All of this is really fascinating. I mean, I, you know, I mentioned earlier that I, I started taking a methylated B complex and I've noticed um, a huge shift in a lot of different areas of my life. I have more energy, which is to be expected. Um, but I feel like my mood has been elevated. And then I have this thing with the stove that a lot of my friends relate to that I would consider to be like OCD-like symptoms because I have a dog. And one of my biggest fears is that I'm going to leave the oven on accidentally. So mm. when I leave, I have this like, <laughs> I check the stove like a little bit too much. Um, but since I started taking this methylated B complex, the that fear and that kind of like... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like repetitive uh, thought in my brain has really, really calmed down a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it will, because there are a lot of wonderful B vitamins that are important that are low. And those of us that are under methylated, I mentioned vitamin B12 is critical, mm -hmm. uh, vitamin B6. Uh, that's something that I utilize in my practice quite a bit. 
Um, and that is going to be in, in what you're taking. Um, so there, there are some wonderful nutrients. I don't want to knock B complexes. Uh, they, they really are amazing and they really are important. Um, you know, again, my concern is over time, if you're taking a high dose, of specifically methylfolate or, you know, again, any form of folic acid or folate, over time, that's going to deplete, um, uh, you know, the, the methyl in your system. So then what would be the other solution? Because this is providing a pretty big solution for me. So then what would I do in place of taking that B-complex? Yeah, um, yeah, excellent question. So um, the way I work in my practice, I'm working more with individual nutrients. So we want to make sure we get the appropriate Bs in, and, and I mentioned those, um, and, and leaving the ones that are contraindicated out. So I'm just utilizing, uh, working more with, with single nutrients um, and uh, making sure that they're in the appropriate doses for the individual's chemistry. And, and, you know, there's so many other factors. I mentioned gut health. And as you know, I know you've talked about gut health a lot and you do talk about it a lot, the importance of looking at malabsorption um, and, and you know, nutrient deficiency and sufficiency mm -hmm. in, in relation to that is really, really key. Um, some people can't handle vitamin B6, and that's probably because they're very high in yeast and, mm -hmm. and or bacteria. And so that's what's triggering um, you know, that reaction from vitamin B6. You know, your diet's amazing. Um, but the way to address that and answer to your question is really to look at, you know, single nutrients in the, in the appropriate doses. I want to take a second to talk about some of my favorite Organifi products and why I love them. When I first started getting into health, I was an avid juicer. I was buying fresh veggies every couple days and wearing out my juicer and also wearing out myself by trying to constantly juice vegetable juices because I wanted to flood my body with all of the nutrients, the phytonutrients that you get from green juices. But after a while, I was like, I cannot keep doing this every day and also maintain my job, maintain my social life and everything else. But I really wanted to make sure that I had a good high quality green juice that was organic and I knew that I could trust came from a good source. So when I discovered Organifi, I was so happy. They not only have a green juice, but they also have a red juice. And I really like to mix them together because it really helps with the flavor profile. And you're not only getting all of the green phytonutrients from the green juice, but you're also getting all the antioxidants from the red juice. So it's like a win-win situation. I also really love their chocolate gold. It's their low sugar hot chocolate mix. And it's loaded with ingredients like lemon balm, turkey tail, magnesium chloride, and reishi. Oh, there's also turmeric in there as well. So it really helps to calm down your nervous system before bed and it really makes me sleepy. It also helps with digestion because you have the turmeric in there, you have cinnamon, you have ginger, black pepper. So it's helping with digestion and inflammation. I'm a really big fan of this. You can also put it in your coffee in the morning and it kind of helps to balance out the jitters that you might get from your morning coffee. And then another product that I'm really loving and taking every single day is their liver reset. Modern living is incredibly taxing on our liver. Like just existing is hard on our liver because we are constantly being inundated with pesticides, heavy metals, environmental toxins, not to mention if we drink alcohol, that's also going to put a strain on our liver. So I think it's incredibly important that we take something every single day to support our liver health. This product has triphala in it. It also has dandelion, milk thistle, and artichoke choke extract, which all have been scientifically backed and proven to provide protection for the liver. And then of course, the most important part about Organifi products is that they are all organic and they go a step further by 
guaranteeing that they are glyphosate residue free. Glyphosate is a known herbicide that is sprayed on a lot of our crops these days. It's also sneaking into organic foods and it is a known carcinogen. So it's incredibly important to make sure that we limit our exposure as much as possible to glyphosate. If you guys want to try any of the Organifi products and get 20% off, go to Organifi.com slash Real Foodology. You're going to see all of my favorite products in that store and you're also going to get 20% off. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash real foodology. So you have mentioned uh, nutrient deficiencies and then you also briefly talked about the vegan diet. And I'm really curious about this from a nutrient deficiency standpoint uh, because we know that it's just a fact. Like I'm I'm not trying to... um, diminish like people that want to eat a vegan diet or, you know, offend them. But it's just a fact that it is very, very, very hard to get all of your nutrients through a vegan diet. And if someone is dealing with an undermethylation issue and nutrition deficiencies, maybe they have OCD, it's got to be harder to follow a vegan diet, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know, it's interesting and I was vegan for many years, okay? So I, I was do too. want, yeah. And yeah. I, yeah, I remember we and talked about that last time. I was the sickest I've ever Me been too. in my life. Yes, like, yes. Like sickest I've ever been. Yeah, my hair, I, I think I mentioned my ponytail was like the size of yeah. a dime. Um, I, my face was all broken out. My Same. gut was a train wreck. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, bloating all the time. Yes, it was, ter- I was starving 24 seven. It was not the vibe. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Likewise, you and I had a very similar experience. And, you know, I think a lot of that is, it, it, you know, is chemistry. Um, but I agree that, um, and, and again, I, you know, because I was vegan uh, and I did enjoy it at first. Um, I do want to respect people that, you know, that choose that lifestyle. It's not a judgment against the lifestyle, but I would agree that we, we cannot get certain nutrients from, uh, plant foods. Uh, we just can't. Uh, meat is really critical. And also, you know, there's the whole, uh, the way our bodies absorb the nutrients from meat versus getting protein from, uh, you know, legumes or something like that. It's a very different process that the body goes through. Um, and also higher protein diets are going to have, guess what? Those methyl donors that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And so I know for me, um, that not eating enough animal protein and having it completely out of my diet for so long um, was a, a big part of the, just the fact that I was undermethylated and I didn't know it at the time. Um, I was also, of course, eating a lot of very high folate foods, things like spinach. Um, you know, beets are also very high in folate. So I'm not saying these foods are bad, but for those of us that are in this category, um, which, you know, we get our methylation status in utero, it's something that we'll, we, we will have for life. Um, these, you know, these diets specifically, not if you, I'm not saying if you have this once in a while, you're going to suddenly have an attack of, of OCD and anxiety. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's, it's, it's really balanced. But when all of your eating and living on are very high folate foods, and also for me, I had a copper imbalance, um, you know, as I shared, and I was eating a lot of very high copper foods because plant-based foods are very high in copper as well. Mm-hmm. So I had this kind of double whammy of, of, um, you know, these overloads and, and I just, I, I could not understand because I really bought into, um, you know, the propaganda at the time that this was the healthiest diet, uh, you know, in the world. So yeah. there must be something wrong with me. I carried a lot of guilt and shame around that. 
Um, but to your point, when I started adding in more, um, uh, you know, animal based foods, high quality animal based foods, my health really turned around. It was really phenomenal. So um, I, I hope I hope that helps. We want to make sure that the diet and the nutrient therapy, which is basically, you know, therapeutic doses of nutrients to change chemistry. We want to make sure the diet and the nutrients are, are both appropriate for the individual. And that's how we create real change at that level of DNA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's where you really see the impact. I guess it really depends on the individual what foods would really help in their instance. So how would someone go about even figuring out what maybe supplements will work, what foods will help improve their OCD symptoms? How would someone go about figuring that out? Yeah, um, yeah, all ex- excellent questions. Um, so I like to look at, at chemistry, and when I say chemistry, I'm looking at methylation, zinc deficiency, copper, pyrrole disorder, which is a urine test, all of those things. Um, in addition to if there is a gut challenge, um, you know, I'm going to be looking at that as well. So I encourage, rather than trying to shoot in the dark, I would encourage your, your listeners to please seek out uh, a practitioner that understands how all of these relationships work together and, and how to um, formulate treatment plans and, and how to work in phases. Um, you can't throw everything at someone at once. Um, you know, methylation is complicated, uh, and we have to just be very careful and go slow. And a lot of that is just understanding, um, you know, and listening, you know, to your patient and, and, and meeting them where they're at. Um, so I, I, I guess, you know, I want to obviously give your listeners things that they can do, steps that they can take, um, uh, it, it's hard for me to give specific guidance on supplements because I don't know someone's chemistry. And I'm always a little hesitant to do that because, you know, I wouldn't want someone to have a negative reaction and think, oh, this is terrible. Not necessarily the supplement. It's just, it's not appropriate for your body. Or again, maybe you have a gut infection. I talked about the relationship between vitamin B6 and how that can trigger um, you know, bacteria and yeast. You know, unfortunately, it, it may not be an answer that people want to hear, but it requires uh, some work on our part to, you know, find the doctor that will do the testing. And if it's something that you're really struggling with, you know, people listening, I just encourage you to seek out someone that can help you do all the right testing that you need to do. And so that's why, um, you know, with a lot of these episodes, I try to just give people all the information and what they can, you know, what kind of doctor they should be looking for, what kind of questions they should be asking for, what kind of lab work they should be asking for. Because mm-hmm. it's really hard as the more I get into nutrition, I realize that it is virtually impossible to give a blanket statement of like, okay, you need to eat X, Y, and Z and take X, Y, and Z supplements in order to be healthy because we are also bio-individual and there's so many different factors involved. There's genetic and, you know, genetics involved. There's um, your own personal history, your health history, where your hormones at, are you on synthetic birth control? Like there's so many different factors involved that it really needs to be more put on the individual level. And I think as nutrition experts, we need to be encouraging people to really seek out that data for themselves so then they can really make the most informed decisions for their body and their health. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. And um, if I may uh, add on to that, trauma and abuse are also 
major driving factors in chemistry, believe it or not. Things mm -hmm. like, you know, again, copper and zinc and the stress that trauma and abuse puts on an individual and how that changes, uh, you know, epi creates epigenetic changes, obviously. Um, and I, I, I just, it's so critical that you work with someone that can really see you. And we know this is what functional me medicine means. I'm not going to bore your audience with that. Um, but, but, you know, someone that has a caring spirit and really knows how to listen. Um, you know, I, I lost my hearing after my first MMR shot when I was, you know, young. And I think mm -hmm. I, I, I'm as much as that, you know, was really traumatizing for me throughout life, especially in school with these, you know, big, big clunky hearing aids. Um, I'm so glad that that happened because it made me a good listener. It made me an empathetic individual to what people are going through. Um, so I don't know why I brought that up. I just suddenly thought of it. And I, I think um, it's just so critical to seek out someone um, that that really can can see the whole picture and guide you appropriately because everyone's dosing is going to be different. There are several different forms of zinc, several different forms of magnesium. We all know mm -hmm. this. Which one is best for you? Well, that depends on your medical history and your lab work. And we need to find you know good doctors that are willing to do the tests and and know exactly what to look for and how to help you. I've had like five different doctors this year just because. And all of them have been amazing and have helped me in different ways. Um, but it's because they bring different things to the table and I've been addressing different things that I really needed help with that I could only find, you know, this expertise in certain doctors. And it's just unfortunate that, I don't know, that healthcare is so complicated right now. It is. And I, I know that cash pay is hard for people. The reason that we don't take insurance, most of us that are in this space, is because we can't provide quality care if we're mm -hmm. limited by mandates. Um, mm -hmm. And I think you know that. I'm sure many of your listeners are aware of that. Um, but I spend a lot of time with people. I do the appropriate testing. And as I shared, I work in phases. Um, and if there's a gut infection, you better believe I want to focus on that first. And then if I know someone is undermethylated or any of the other chemistries that I mentioned, of course, I want to be slowly introducing those nutrients and making sure that it's, you know, again, very appropriate for that individual. But yeah, I'm sorry you've had that experience. I, I before I finally figured out, um, you know, what was going on with me and my chemistry, I spent about $100,000 on my health mm. uh, with different practitioners, some helped a little bit, some, you know, really sent me into the depths of despair. Um, I don't, I don't fault them for that. They were doing the best that they could, but, um, you, you know, it's, it's, it, it can be really frustrating, but there are, there are good people out there that uh, know how to, you know, make all these connections and bring them to, together in an appropriate way. And, and again, dosing appropriately, going slow, um, you know, titrating appropriately, all of that is, is key to, to helping someone feel better. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything that we haven't gone over that you think is really important? I would say the thing about methylation, and that's why I kind of wanted to go into the MTHFR thing, is that I realize there's a lot of information on the internet. I realize it's kind of a rabbit hole. It's so confusing. One practitioner says this, the other says the exact opposite. Um, it, it's just so overwhelming. Um, but I, I, I do 
I, I do want to encourage people to, um, you know, to, to kind of listen to their inner voice where that's concerned. And, um, you know, you know, again, along the lines of, of seeking out an appropriate practitioner, I think, you know, if there's, how do I word this? If, if it's a very, um, if, if the guidance is very one-sided to me, that's a red flag. Because as you said, as, as human beings, we're very complicated. We're very, um, you know, bio-individuality is, is a real thing. Um, and there are so many factors that, that make up who we are as, as human beings. And there are a lot of different areas to look at and, and, and go down. Um, and, you know, again, with, with OCD, there are different underlying causes of OCD. Um, but I, I would just be very mindful of, you know, again, one size fits all or only one method of testing or only one area or avenue in which to go in um, because you need that well, you know, that, that well-rounded support. So I think that's, that's what I would add there. Yeah. Well, and I thought of one more question and I'm still a little bit unclear about this. So I want to clarify it. Is there, so we know that there's the MTFHR test, which tells you whether or not, um, your body is able to methylate, but is there a test to tell you if you are under methylating? Yeah. Um, and and okay. no, I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There are a couple of tests that we use. The one that I had referenced is the methylation profile. Um, and that's why doctors data. And that's the one where if you, you know, because I don't have anything on the screen to kind of, you know, go over the methylation cycle with your audience, if they want to just go and get a sample report, they'll see a, a graphic of the cycle there and they can see where the MTHFR enzyme is in the backup pathway. Um, it's not in the main pathway there. So I like that one a lot um, because, you know, we're looking at methionine, which is a major methyl donor. We're, we're looking at conversions. We're, we're, we're looking at different pathways and where those levels are. So that one is a little bit more expensive, but for, for you know, many people, it, it can be very beneficial. Um, but uh, also whole blood histamine is another test that I utilize um, just to determine methylation status, not to be confused with mast cell uh, issues or histamine intolerance. Now, those things can be in the same individual that isn't uh, that is undermethylated. But I want to make sure that your audience knows that they are actually two very different creatures, and we need to treat them differently. Even though there are you know going to be connections there. Um, so a high histamine value again, it has to be whole blood, not plasma. A high histamine value is going to be indicative of undermethylation, and then a low histamine value will be indicative of overmethylation. And overmethylation, I didn't touch on this uh, just very quickly, is too many methyl groups. So as I shared in undermethylation, there are too few methyl groups to support enzymes, hormones, and neurotransmitters. And in overmethylators, there are too many methyl groups. So that's where folic acid and folate are wonderful because they provide calming, they bring down um, th those higher levels and, and an individual can feel uh, really wonderful. Those are two good tests to utilize. Of course, if you are um, doing the whole blood histamine and you're on um, uh, uh, antihistamines, you're gonna have to stop those for about three weeks before you test. 
because there are certain medications um, that can skew those results. And again, this is, I'm sharing with you, this is why working with someone is appropriate because I wouldn't want you to go and get that test and go, oh, this seems normal um, when it, it probably isn't. Uh, or maybe there's just a medication or something in the environment, whatever the case may be that is skewing that result. So I, I hope that that is helpful. Yeah, this has been really helpful. So I encourage anyone that has any further questions around this to reach out to you, hopefully, if that's okay. Of course, um, yeah. Yeah, to maybe even like seek you as um, someone they can work with. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Courtney. Um, I I try to be very active on my blog and then, you know, of course, my own podcast and and just trying to help people understand more of, of you know, what what's what's actually happening? What's the chemical process that's happening in the body? Um, and I do have a lot of free free, free articles, truly free articles, no paywall um, on my site. And of course, with my show, just explaining these things in more detail. I talk a lot about methylation, write a lot about methylation, copper, um, again, pyrrole disorder, which we didn't really go into that one. But, you know, that that also has a, a big component with OCD. Um, what is it? What disorder? Um, pyrrole, P-Y-R-R-O-L-E. That's the one where it has uh, the, the deficiency of zinc and vitamin B6. Um, and those are those critical nutrients that help create um, neurotransmitters in the first place. Um, <laughs> you yeah. know, zinc is, is, is really important um, for, for mental health and, and uh, you know, B6 as well. So, you know, looking at everything in totality, um, again, just very, very critical. So in many cases, is it safe to say that in, in, maybe I shouldn't say many, but in some cases that someone dealing with OCD-like symptoms is really just dealing with a nutrition deficiency? Yeah, it's it's what the way we like to word it is nutrient deficiencies and overloads. So, mm. um, you know, I mentioned, you know, we talked about copper a lot last time. So copper overload um, uh, and, you know, copper is very much... Um, you know, um, we think of the Energizer Bunny or the Copper Top Battery. You know, it's a producer of energy um, and we are energetic beings. So when copper is high, there is this feeling like I'm, you know, wired all the time. Um, and that can create a lot of OCD. Uh, and, and, you know, and again, because copper lowers dopamine, mm-hmm. um, and that, that's, a, that's a big trigger there too. So, so yeah, so, so, uh, that would be an example of an overload. And then because we need copper again, you know, disclaimer, copper isn't bad. Um, I, I don't like this black and white thinking with copper and zinc. Copper is not bad. We need it. It's important. Um, you know, we need it to make babies. When women are pregnant, copper naturally goes up. Uh, because it needs it's needed to create blood vessels. So obviously you need that when you're creating, you know, a baby uh, uh, in your belly. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens is it gets overloaded. It becomes toxic to the body, and we just need to, you know, go through that balancing act. Um, and and deficiencies in methylation specifically. Um, you know, I mentioned V6 is often severely depleted and under methylators. Um, vitamin B12, um, even calcium can cause uh, severe depression. And I, I, you know, calcium gets a bad rep, but guess what? If you're deficient in calcium, oh my goodness, it can be a lifesaver. Uh, I worked with children with seizure disorders where we incorporated 
you know, again, very slowly, but calcium and zinc and other important nutrients based on their chemistry. Um, and they're doing so much better now. It's really amazing that something like a seizure disorder can be remedied with nutrients, right? And looking yeah. at the gut microbiome, uh, because yeast and, and bacteria also play a role in these disorders. So, so yeah, nutrient deficiencies, very, very common, whether you have normal methylation or not. Um, but, you know, as you know, uh, Courtney, you're so good at speaking into this. Um, our soils are so depleted. So therefore, even our, you know, organic foods are, are not where they were even, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got, you know, these crazy psychopaths that want us to eat cricket flour pancakes and, yeah. and, you know, eat nothing but processed, ultra processed vegan fake foods. Meat. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Fake meat. I mean, come on, really? I think that most people need some form of nutrient therapy, maybe not to the level and the intense cases that I work with. But, you know, remember, we're not getting enough from our food these days. I wish that were the case. When I first started in this industry, you know, 15, 16 years ago, um, I, I, I said that initially. I'm like, let's get your diet on board, you know, the animal protein. Yeah. Um, let's making sure, let's make sure that, you know, things are well rounded, organic. Um, I, I can't really say that anymore, sadly. It's so funny because I used to say the exact same thing when I was in school getting my master's. I remember thinking this and also telling everyone, I was like, you don't really need supplements. Like maybe take like a probiotic to build up your gut bacteria and like an omega-3 or a fish oil or something like that. But I was like, you should just be getting all of your nutrients from your whole real foods, organic foods. And I've completely changed my tune now as well because after learning about the soil degradation and how we're just completely depleting our soil of nutrients and the soil is where our plants get the nutrients, you know? So if we're destroying that with pesticides and tilling and all the destructive behaviors that we're doing to our soil, it's absolutely having an effect on our food and it's you know just a sad reality. So um, mm -hmm. it is important that we first get the testing done to really see where all these deficiencies are because you don't want to just be shooting in the dark. You know, I just got this right. test done. I got the I did the Nutrival test mm -hmm. and wow, was that insightful. It told me about a lot of deficiencies that I've been dealing with and as I've started supplementing to fill in the gaps for that, I mean, I feel calmer, I'm less stressed out, I feel like I can think better. My little like OCD like tendencies that I was feeling like I was struggling with have really like for the most part kind of gone out the window. I mean, I've just been seeing yeah. such a significant shift in so many things. My sleep is starting to get better yeah. finally. Um, so it really is something that uh, we, first of all, you need to figure out through testing what exactly you're dealing with and then find someone that can help you find the right supplements and food, et cetera, to address that. You know, yes, absolutely, Courtney. And I'm so glad you said that because there's still this thinking and I, I you know, just just popped into my brain as you were, you know, sharing your, your story with us. There's still this thinking from the conventional model and, and, you know, I love doctors. We've got amazing, good doctors in the world, but I, I hear all the time, Still, patients being told, if you don't stay on this medication, you're never going to get well. Mm. And supplements don't really do anything. Um, which shocks me that we're now in 2023 and there's still this thinking. So um, you are a testament to that. I am a testament to that. I would say if you're not getting anywhere with your, your multivitamin, you're not noticing a lot, you, you know, again, nutrient therapy is therapeutic doses of nutrients, which you're not going to get in 
a complex or a multi. You're going to get adequate doses there. Some are better than others, of course. Um, but if you're listening to this show and or, or watching this show um, and you don't feel like you're, you're noticing much, I think that's a good indicator of, you know, getting properly tested. And the doses that you're taking are probably just too minute to, to create any change. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's another important factor that also goes back to, um, you know, what's happening in our environment and, um, you know, the depletion of our, our soils and, and, and so forth. And, you know, I'm glad you touched on all the chemicals because, um, you know, that's, that's also been ramping up over the last few years. And, and I, I think that if I just may be bold and say, I think that we're all and have been poisoned for decades. Yeah. Um, you know, you and I know this. Um, I don't say that to scare anybody, but that's why diet is so key. You know, you had this wonderful question at the end of our, uh, our, our last, uh, you know, time together and you asked me, you know, what are my basically non-negotiables, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and I said diet. I was honest about diet, um, because it is so key and so fundamental to living the best life that we can and be happy and thriving in a world that, you know, let's be honest, is is uh, not always easy. Um, and with so many additional obstacles and new layers and, and so forth, um, you know, especially over the past couple of years. So diet is one way that you can, one thing that you can control, because there's so many things that we can't, but one thing that you can control that is such an amazing healing force. So so please don't let a doctor tell you that if you don't say on um, Lexapro that you're never going to get well. That's a lie. You know, that's a lie. Because I, I know that nutrients are powerful and, and I have just seen it happen so many times. So... Anyway, thank you for indulging me here for, for a few minutes. Yes. No, it was amazing. And um, I, I think that's a great place to end. I do want to uh, quickly make a note that I think is interesting uh, regarding pharmaceutical drugs is that many of these drugs, their side effects are that they create nutritional deficiencies. Yes. Especially, I mean, birth control pill is notorious for this. Mm -hmm. um, creating nutri nutritional deficiencies in the body. And uh, we know that classic... A scenario where someone gets put on a drug and then they have to be put on another drug to counteract the symptoms of the first one. And then you're just in this mess of being on, you know, five different drugs and it all started with one. And then you're just trying to counteract all the side effects. And then you think about all the nutritional deficiencies that are happening. And, you know, I say this often and I want to repeat myself again. I am not at all saying that uh, we shouldn't ever have medication and that there's never a time and place for it. That is not what I'm saying. Yeah, but I, I am saying is that we're over prescribing and oftentimes, we have doctors that have been trained just to look at the symptoms and then they have a pill to match the symptoms instead of looking at the real picture of, okay, well, why is your body presenting these symptoms in the first place? Mm. You know, and I'm not yeah. saying that you shouldn't ever be using medication, but often uh, there are solutions outside of using medication. And if you have a doctor that's not asking you about your diet, your lifestyle, how your sleep is, um, all of that, then I would find a different doctor because you want someone on your team who is going to really look at the whole picture and not just immediately throw drugs at you. There currently and, and never have been any safety studies with psychotropic medications. I just want your listeners to know that. I did a whole show around that. Um, uh, you know, I was put on Prozac. Um, I was one of the first children to be put on Prozac um, when it first came out in 1987. Um, uh, I, I want people to know, and I think, you know, again, your listeners are going to know how corrupt Big Pharma is, um, but 
Uh, I think these medications over time, yes, they create a lot of deficiencies and um, they they end up, there's a, like a boomerang effect where they end up creating more dysregulation in the brain um, than what, what was there initially. And it could have been anything. It could have been uh, more blood sugar. It could have been actually under methylation or, or low zinc or whatever. Um, but we find and the, and the data and the independent research has, has shown, um, that people generally, um, over time don't do well on these medications and, uh, become dependent on them. Um, and also the data are clear that, you know, if, if you just let it kind of, um, well, I, 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 of course, would want to seek help from someone if it's if it's chronic, but most people, if we're talking about depression, um, eventually that depression with other changes in their lives, whether it's lifestyle or what have you, um, that that tends to wane uh, naturally. The data are clear on that, so I, you know, it speaks again to the overuse and uh, and prescribing these medications. So. Yeah, and there's a lot of money to be made off yeah. them too, unfortunately. So yeah. there's there yeah, there's a lot of other things happening. So, well, thank you so much for coming on. Since we already went over your health non-negotiables, we won't do that again. But please tell everyone where they can find you. Yes, um, you can find me at eat4.life, not .com. So that's E-A-T-F-O-R dot L-I-F-E. Um, I'm, I'm no longer on social media. Uh, I, I just... Um, it didn't feel good to be on social media anymore. So please come join me on my website and feel free to interact uh, on my blog there. And, and my podcast is also on there as well. So thank you, Courtney. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. If you liked the episode, please leave a review in your podcast app to let me know. This is a resonant media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Mike Fry. The theme song is called Heaven by the amazing singer Georgie. Georgie is spelled with a J. For more amazing podcasts produced by my team, go to resonantmediagroup.com. I love you guys so much. See you next week. The content of this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for individual medical and mental health advice and doesn't constitute a provider-patient relationship. I am a nutritionist, but I am not your nutritionist. As always, talk to your doctor or your health team first. Looking to build a more robust foundation in your health and well-being? From the producer of the Real Foodology podcast comes one of the most popular alternative health shows on Apple Podcasts, The Dr. Tina Show. Dr. Tina Moore is a naturopathic physician and chiropractor, traditionally and alternatively trained in science and medicine. The show features exclusive interviews with experts such as Sean Stevenson, Mike Mutzel, Mark Groves, and even solo episodes covering metabolic health, pharmaceuticals, chronic diseases, long-hauler syndrome, and pain management. Dr. Tina delivers the information in a no-nonsense, real-world style, and she has the science to back it up. The Dr. Tina Show is edgy, entertaining, and informative. Every episode will leave you with a new pearl of health wisdom to expand your knowledge base. When you're empowered, you can do better for yourself, your family, and your community. Resilience is the name of the game, and Dr. Tina is here to guide you on your way. Listen to The Dr. Tina Show today on your favorite podcast app. New episodes every Wednesday. Produced by Drake Peterson and Resident Media.